Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran's great to be with you today. All right, you know what today is, right? It is election day. That means it is your opportunity to um, fulfill your obligation, your obligation in the public square to vote. That is a civic responsibility. It's part of how we um, fulfill our call to be responsible, faithful citizens. Let's pray first, and then we'll um, talk a little bit more about that. And I'll, then I want to mention a couple thoughts about my mom and our life of faith. And then from there, go into an interview about vocation, National Vocation Awareness Week. And I'll tell you about the guest that I have coming on to help us reflect on that. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we thank you that you are God of heaven and earth, that Lord, you take care of us, that you take over, that you bless us in ways that go beyond what we could ask for or imagine. And so, Lord, I ask for blessings today of peace. I ask for justice. I ask, Lord, for um, I ask for lawful processes in the elections that are unfolding around the country. Lord, I pray that you would bring um, uh, order and allow order to rule and reign in this country on this day. I ask, Lord, that you would unmask efforts that are deceptive, that are illegal, that are uh, against the common good. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, help our nation come together beyond a divide that seems to be growing. And so, Lord, only you are the way, and you will show us the way. Help us to walk in that way. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Have you voted? Have you done your write-in ballot, or are you going to the polls today? Here on the eastern side of the state, it is unfortunate that we have terrible weather. <laughs> Just with the uh, with the snow and the driving wind and the icy roads. I know on uh, Monday night it was it just terrible. The driving was terrible with uh, backups that um, were a couple hours long in in some instances. And so I hope and pray that people will drive peacefully, safely, and with care on the road. Uh, Carrie, yesterday, um, while going and picking up the kiddos from school, there was a car coming down the hill that we live on and just was a bit out of control and spun around at least one time. Complete A complete spin. Uh, thanks be to God, did not hurt themselves, uh, any property, or anybody else. Uh, but, you know, if folks are not comfortable driving in icy weather, it is, uh, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. So uh, it's treacherous. Well, in, in some ways, here we are, we're uh, on election day, and, and there's a lot at stake today. And sometimes when there's a lot at stake, people will do things that are uh, not ethical, not moral, so we pray that those things would be unmasked, and we pray that um, we would we would fulfill our role, right? Not not to not to um, stay on the sidelines when we can get in the game and play our part by voting. Uh, Carrie and I decided that we're going to drive to the um, to our precinct and and vote at the uh, in the voting location uh, near to us, rather than filling in a ballot and dropping it off. Uh, it it's it just it makes it more I don't know for us a little bit more real when we actually go into the into the uh, voting location and and cast our ballot so it makes it a bit more real so uh, at least that was what Carrie said and I'm I'm going with that <laughs> and I'm going to go with her so I hope that you will also play your part and and you know what take the extra time well not the extra time take the time that you need to. Uh, find out about the different initiatives on the ballot, about what's at stake in them, about the different uh, 
uh, about the different positions that uh, are being uh, filled and the, and the candidates and what they stand for. You know, your vote is 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 uh, part of how you are going to exercise your citizenship. There's so many ways that we just live our own lives somewhat disconnected from each other and just sort of like, let's not bother each other and let's just live our comfortable, peaceful lives. Well, voting gets us in the mix together and makes us realize that we share in a uh, a common union here. We share in this common society and, and there's there are goods at stake. So, of course, I do want to encourage you to follow guidance as it comes from uh, our church's teaching and often by the the bishops uh, of the state of Washington or other faith-based organizations that will align with our Catholic principles regarding uh, how to stand for life and how to stand for the dignity of life. And so I do encourage you to keep that in mind as you uh, are considering who you'll vote for, um, who's going to stand for life. And as a preeminent issue and a priority issue, uh, the right that undergirds every other right is the right to life. And that right to life begins at conception. And here in the state of Washington, it's a heinous, tragic thing that we permit, promote, and support legally the slaughter of unborn human beings in the wombs of their mothers and use clever, unscientific, unmedically supported language to deceive, distract, and persuade people to vote for the slaughter of innocent human beings who happen to be living in their mother's wombs. It's a terrible thing, and it's a tragedy that'll go down in in history uh, that our time, this happened, and it happened on our watch. So we've seen the, the turn the, tide, the turning of the tide with the Dobbs decision overturning Roe versus Wade. And we can continue that trend by voting for, uh, voting for legislators, voting for whether it's senators or Congress, uh, the members of Congress at the federal level, at the state level, who stand for life. Uh, if we get that right, then we're going to get a lot of other things right. But if we get that wrong, we're going to get a lot of other things really, really bad. Uh, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta said, you know, if uh, if the innocent child in the womb is not safe, then then who is? Something like that. At least it, it sounds like <laughs> she said something about uh, something. There was a quote around how if, if, a, if a mother, if, if a child in her mother's womb is not safe, then what hope is there for that society? Something along those lines. It was probably actually a lot harsher than that. Okay, so there's my um, my exhortation to get out and vote if you haven't already. I mentioned that today is the fifth anniversary of my mom's uh, my my mom's death, and uh, she was a, a devout Catholic woman and uh, raised us with the fear of God, and I mean that actually the fear of heaven, the fear of hell, and the hope of heaven. The fear of honor, the fear, let's call it the fear of God from the standpoint of honoring God. I want to honor God and I want to do what's right. And to not do what's right is a shameful thing. And we ought to repent and ask God for forgiveness when we do that. So my mom, she was someone who was very strong on promoting that we would do the right thing because there are consequences to our actions. <laughs> there we go. I did not grow up in a home that God is a God of unconditional love. Uh, even though, you know, uh, it's funny, because my mom, I think, would have said that, but the way that she raised us was definitely that the fires of hell were waiting for those who broke the commandments. <laughs> and you could live in the house as long as you went to church. And going to Mass on Sundays covered a multitude of sins. Let's just put it that way. Um, no, I love my mom. I miss her. And uh, she was a pillar of Catholic faith in our home, even though it was true that she did um, raise us in a very strict and conservative way. And 
and you know what? I I laugh. I mean, I'm I was kind of chuckling a little bit, but I got to tell you that preserved me from a lot. It really did. It preserved me uh, in terms of like staying on the right path. Yeah, not a bad thing. You know, everybody didn't get a participation trophy. Uh, there were high expectations that were expected to be lived out. And uh, my mom was someone who uh, lived by example. She was a worker. And um, it was hard for her to be served. It was hard for her to uh, allow others to take care of her. And in the mystery of God's plan for her life as it unfolded, um, she uh, she uh, came down with cancer. Um, she was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, after it was a kind of cancer that um, was uh, often defeated after a like a, a round of serious uh, efforts involving like surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. And my mom went through all of that and defeated it. But it was one of those kinds of cancers that about two years later that um, would, uh, as a routine thing, it, it, it was not unexpected that it would return. And sure enough, that did happen in my mom's case. And it returned um, with a fury uh, in the form of brain cancer. And uh, we knew something was off because of how my mom started to process things and, and talk and um, by the time that she was diagnosed, it was it was clear that she uh, did not have very long to live. And so it was a mere um, just just over three months from the time that she was diagnosed to the time that she died um, from brain cancer. And the mystery of how God used this to soften her demeanor, her personality, and her heart, towards, especially towards um, one of my siblings, um, one of my sisters, with whom she um, had a history of butting heads and just had a history of um, conflict. And to watch how my mom, as she diminished, she had no option but to allow her daughter to take care of her. And it wasn't only her daughter, but um, my sister took up a primary role of caring for my mom, and God used that to soften their hearts towards each other and bring about a real healing in a way that a normal life uh, dissipating slowly over time probably wouldn't have. And so there was a, a mystery to God's plan, how God took uh, something that was very dark and evil, like this furious form of cancer and he said I got this and I'm going to I'm going to do something amazing with this and and he did and it was it was very powerful how God used those months to heal decades even even again an illness that was destructive was used by God to restore and to heal relationships that had been broken for decades and so just I share that with you to say when we're in dark moments, when we're in bleak moments, when we're in moments that appear only to be tragic and, and evil, God's bigger. The Lord is bigger and he is not powerless. He's not on the sidelines of situations like that. So I, did, I just want to encourage you um, just through my mom's own, my, my testimony of what my mom went through that God, God is bigger and he can bring victory. All right, I'm coming up against uh, the, end of, uh, the end of this first segment. And when we come back, um, we're gonna move into a reflection on National Vocation Awareness Week. It's an initiative of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. And the guest I have coming on to help us discuss this is Andy Tassani. Andy is uh, a leader in the Sarah Clubs. Think of St. Junipero Serra, uh, the famous Franciscan missionary who went uh, up the coast of uh, California establishing these missions and um, was an amazing saint. Um, and he is a, 
in the, the club that is named for him is one that promotes vocations to the priesthood and religious life and supports them. When we come back, we'll have a chance to learn more about that on Sound Insight. So please stay tuned. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Well, I want to welcome to the program, Andy Tassani. Andy is the, if I think I got the title right, the regional director of the Sarah Club here in the state of Washington. Welcome, Andy, to the program. Well, thanks so much, Tom. It's nice to talk to you. So, Andy, I just I need to know, did I get that right? Did I get the title correct? I am I am the district governor for the Seattle area within oh, the state man. of Washington. So there's three district governors and one regional director who uh, is in the Tri-Cities, Maury. Okay. District governor, not regional uh, regional leader. Correct. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay. You see? So this is actually, this is a great way to start where... I needed to discern correctly what it was that I was about to enter into here. And that is actually a really fitting way to start our interview because Andy, I'm talking with you. You have a um, a longstanding commitment to the Sarah club and I'm interviewing you today as part of vocation awareness week. Uh, This is uh, in a, um, this is an initiative of the United States conference of Catholic bishops, national vocation awareness week. And it um, began on Sunday, the 6th, and it continues through this week. And as part of that, um, we thought it would be very fitting here on Sound Insight and on Sacred Heart Radio uh, to bring on Andy and just to talk about the theme of vocation awareness and what better uh, group to get involved in that than the Sarah Club. So Andy, I uh, for those who uh, folks, I'm guessing a lot of folks that are listening to the program have probably heard of the Sarah Club, but may not be exactly familiar with the details of what it is you all do. So just as we get launched into the program, what is the Sarah Club and how is it that you all help promote vocations? Yes, thank you, Tom. Well, it's interesting. The Sarah Club or Sarah International was actually founded in Seattle. Seattle is the number one club in the whole world. Our club, the Cascade Club, is club number 1094, but Seattle is number one. So back in 1934, some businessmen got together and decided to pray for vocations and pray for their priests during lunch. And that continued over the course of many years to when people decided to get together and uh, more formally become a Sarah Club and named after our patron saint, Saint Junipero Serra, who, as you know, was very fundamental in starting missions in Mexico and in California. Uh, Sarah International currently has over 20,000 men and women members from all walks of life with over 800 clubs in 40 countries. And in 2018, I believe it was, uh, Sarah International was officially designated by Pope St. John Paul II as the vocation arm of the church. I'm not sure I got that year correct, but but we are an, an, an official apostolate for the uh, Vatican for uh, vocations. That's so exciting. And to think that, uh, you had four Catholic businessmen yes. back in back in the 1930s discerning, you know what, we need to be praying for vocations. And their work 90 years later still continues. That's really impressive. And and I yes. think again, it's one of those things where Andy, you know, hearing that, um, folks, as you listen, you can be doing something today that brings you into the stream of work that has been happening for almost a hundred years by joining up with the work of the Serens 
Um, at the same time, don't doubt that the work that you do is joining up with the work of the body of Christ to fulfill the call of Christ here on earth. And essential to that is um, the religious vocation to priesthood and religious life, that the church will continue to be the church as members of this community of faith, hear and respond to the call to the priesthood and religious life. I know, Andy, that um, that idea of will my kids be called to the priesthood or might my daughters be called to religious life um, as a as a sister? Uh, that's a question that I'm not sure how common that conversation is these days. Um, I don't know if you get a sense for that, if you feel like um, what's happening in, in these recent years or decades that parents would look to the concept of a vocation in their home as a, a sign of blessing from God. I, I get this idea that you go back 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, and the idea of having a a vocation, just even put that in quotes, a vocation in the family, that was a big deal. That was like a real honor. Um, and do you get a sense of like how parents in your conversations around this um, and when you stand forward and represent the Sarah Club um, in, in the Seattle area, that um, parents are are as excited as they have historically been or are they more hesitant and, and why? Well, it's interesting because I do feel in general that they are a little bit more hesitant. Um, however, it's always, you know, so um, wonderful when you do meet parents that are really plugged in, that really kind of get it. And they're really encouraging their young men and women. Um, some time ago, Father Brian DeLessi, who was our, was our vocation director for about 12 years, he put out a trifold, and the title of it was a picture of himself, and the title of it was, Let's Create a Culture of Vocations, so that within the culture that we understand where we live, where we pray, the churches that we go to, it should become much more common, as you said, as it was some years ago, when, when the old oldest son of a family might very well become a, a priest or, or study for the priesthood. Um, and nowadays, it's not quite that way. But we do find pockets where that's very, very strong, and people are excited. And so when I speak at different parishes, it, it's invariably people will come to me up after mass, they'll want a little bit more information about the Sarah Club. And um, they really, you, you can just sense it in their in their in their demeanor and in the way they speak, how important they believe that vocations are to them, to their family, and to the church. Yeah, you know what? You said a key word in there, and that was family. And I know before the interview, we were chatting a bit, and you talked about the importance of family. I know in my own family, here's the approach we take. When we are visiting, you know, when we're talking with our kids and when our family prayer time or just around the, in the course of normal conversations, this is, this is what I want to say. It's a very normal thing in our home to have conversations around, I wonder what God's doing right now in our lives, in our family, what's God calling us to? So it's a very natural thing for our kids to hear Carrie, my wife and me talk about um, call, like what's the Lord asking of us? And so, and that can be in, in, let's call it in just specific, like narrow veins of our life. Meaning, you know what? I feel like God wants us to do more to help foster prayer in the local church, or we feel like a, there's a call we have to help families to find a refuge in this time that is so difficult for many to raise their kids with a fervent faith. And, and those are aspects of a vocation. But underneath that, we'll bring out the natural idea that there's a supernatural call, that God created you for this moment in history. He planted you in this particular family. And you know what? He has a gifted you in a very special way to fulfill a very particular call. And you have the great privilege of discerning the call that God has for your life. And you will find the greatest happiness in not only sensing what that call is, but in saying yes to it. 
And that could be the priesthood, that could be married life, it could be the religious vocation, you could be single for the Lord outside of a community. Whatever that call is, seek the Lord and what his heart, what he has in his heart for you. And that's where you'll find the greatest joy. That's the overarching message that we have washed over our kids, washed over our kids in the in in the in the current home uh, throughout our married life. Yes, I, I I think that's the perfect model, and that's the same message that we like to give to all families. First of all, how important it is for the family as a unit to come together with their children to be able to discuss about a vocation, as you said, either married or single, a priest or religious. I mean, the church teaches that there are four, or, there are four vocations and that's, that's the four. So everyone's going to fit into that one uh, vocation or the other. And um, we, we try here also, uh, you're talking about the family and the youth. Uh, we're really trying to reach out. I feel like within the parishes, the Sarah Club can be a, a meaningful tool to work with the youth ministers. This coming weekend, there is a youth rally or a youth convention here in Linwood at the Linwood Convention Center, Saturday and Sunday. So I partner with the youth minister at St. Pius to, uh, in, you know, to encourage the youth and their parents to actually attend the rally. And uh, this past summer, now it's been a few years, uh, Steubenville Northwest hosts a, um, I'm sure you know, because it's in Spokane, they hold a youth convention every year. So bringing the church to the family and then bringing the family to the church and to the conventions. And for many years, I think, you know, the Sarah Club have sponsored what we call Quovadis Days, which is a camp for young boys at Camp Don Bosco or Camp Hamilton, where we've brought up to 150 kids every year when we've provided all the transportation and all the meals and all the, the money that is, is needed to again, bring that culture of the vocations to these young people who can hear and can listen to priests and seminarians. And we believe so strongly that everyone, as you said, has their own journey, has their own call. My first introduction, if I could just mention one more thing, to the Sarah Club was I was invited to a dinner that was hosted by the vocations office and where seminarians would come every year after school and tell us and we'd get an update on where they're studying. And I got to sit next to someone who I didn't think was a seminarian because he was an older man. Turned out he was a Lutheran pastor who was married and had two children and was trying to work with Archbishop Brunette at the time to become a Catholic priest. Well, many years later, Father Tom McMichael is the pastor in Burlington, and I got to be part of his journey and to understand what he was going through. And it, it just became so in, in my spirit that each one of these young people have a journey. They have a story. They have a past. They have their parents' uh, journeys. And to get to know them on that level and to really interact with them, to love them, to pray for them, and to communicate with them is just a joy and an honor that I love every day. I'm talking with Andy Tassani. He's in the leadership of the Sarah Club in the uh, in the uh, Seattle area in the Cascade region, the Cascade Club. And there are a number of these Sarah Clubs around. And uh, Andy, you mentioned the uh, the Quovadis days and that that summer um, that summer retreat slash camp where high school students can um, spend time with priests and seminarians. It becomes a wonderful opportunity to pull high school kids away from their normal context, high school young men, away from their typical context where they might feel a bit awkward about talking about God or awkward about even being open to the idea that, you know what, maybe I'm called to be a priest too. It, it can be something that remains a bit secret and kids don't feel that comfortable that there are a lot of contexts for them to talk about and explore and allow to to grow uh, the seeds of of that of that desire or that um, that nudge that's within them. So I think that 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 has been a, a wonderful gift um, 
putting together Sarah clubs and I'm sorry, Sarah clubs, uh, Quo Vadis, um, camps, uh, in the summer. I know they have them out here as well. Uh, so that has been a wonderful gift to be able to give young men that chance to, to, to step apart and consider, uh, you know, Andy, I think about this, this, again, this way in which a, a vocation to the priesthood or religious life is something that is a bit of a sign of contradiction to what is promoted so often in the wider culture and even honestly in in many catholic homes and it's the idea that says this you know i it really as long as my kid is happy i really don't care too much about what they want uh, what they do as long as they're happy or the message that says to the kids you know what when you grow up you can be anything that you want to be if you just put your mind to it and you believe you can be anything you want to be. And while those things, they like might resonate at one level and they like sound right. On the other hand, there's something, there's something off about those ways of thinking. Because in fact, the idea that says, I can remember when people would say to me, oh yeah, as long as my kid's happy, I, I don't care what they do with their life. And I said, yeah, my kid is very happy as a pimp. And you know what? He's making good money. And I'm like, and they're just like shocked. And I'm like, well, of course I'm joking, but of course you don't really believe that, but you just say it out loud and you don't realize what you're saying. No, you want your kid to grow up and to become happy by doing something that's noble, something that's worthy, something that's honorable, something that glorifies God and adds to the common good of humanity. And when it comes to this idea that says, you know what? You can be anything you want to be. Just put your mind to it and believe. Again, there's something that's really settling for less than involving God in that picture of how someone um, will achieve fulfillment in life. And so what I say to my kids is, kids, you do not have the opportunity to be anything that you want to be. It's not possible. However, you do have the opportunity to become the one God created you to be, to do and to be uh, and to fulfill that mission for which God has planted you on this earth. And it's my job as a father, and it's Carrie and my job as your parents to foster and raise in you an openness, a readiness to say yes to the Lord's call for your life. And, and so I think that there, there is a way in which we have to help our kids swim against the stream of messages that come at them. And sometimes even are coming at them in their own home. So I think that the gift of the Sarah Club, one of the gifts that you guys bring to the table is you can help disrupt a popular but misguided approach to helping kids discern how it is they want to, how it is they ought to live their Catholic lives in the world today. So that's just something that that came to my mind, Andy, as we were as we were talking. Folks, as you're listening uh, to Andy Tassani and me today talk about uh, vocations, we're doing so it's National Vocation Awareness Week. And if you go to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops website, which is usccb.org, that is usccb.org, you'll see that there are some links to uh, National Vocation Awareness Week, including a number of very helpful links to recommended leading, um, reading lists for discerners, vocation uh, discernment tips, and other links um, that uh, will be very helpful if, if you're in that situation of having someone in your home that's discerning a call. Andy, I got to tell you, um, there are um, a couple of my kids that are discerning right now, yes. the priesthood and religious life, which is really cool. Now they haven't entered the seminary, one's still in high school and the other one is still in college, but she's actively reaching out to um, religious communities and has focused in on one in particular where she feels a deep resonance, a deep sense of resonance between their mission and her passion. And so um, they, what we attempt to foster in them is um, a sense of we're praying for you. We'd be excited for you to do that, but don't feel any pressure to do it because what we really want for you is to do what God would have you to do. 
So there's that kind of gentle balance, I think, that there is if you see the first blossomings in your kids of an openness to the priesthood or religious life. What would you think about that? You know, that's so true. And uh, we see it all the time with seminarians that uh, sometimes they will be in a program and sometimes they'll continue on and sometimes they'll discern out. And uh, it's all part of the discernment process. And as you said, um, God is always speaking to us and he's always living in our hearts and guiding us. And 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 we need to be open to whatever that call is. And um, one thing I wanted to mention, Tom, is that uh, every couple of years we have a regional conference. Last year, it was down at Mount Angel um, Seminary with um, Abbot uh, Jeremy Driscoll, who was just an unbelievable person. And uh, we all got to experience what life in the uh, in the in the, in the seminary is down at Mount Angel. And next year we're going to be meeting around this time at the Archbishop Brunette Retreat House. And part of our conference agenda will be just on this subject about the family and about vocations and. I'm going to give you a year's notice, but we might call you and ask you to come and speak at our conference because the things that you're talking about are the exact things that are on my heart as well and how we can mold the family and the call of God on our lives into what we understand as vocations. Well, Andy, that's really uh, very touched by that. Uh, I've had the pleasure, this was years ago, of speaking at one of the, I don't know if at what level it was, but at one of the Sarah club meetings and it was just beautiful salts of the earth laity that were there. Just love the Lord, love the church and love the idea that they can be part of promoting vocations. And so if you all discern that I certainly open to making it work if it's at all possible. Now, Andy, just to say um, the Sarah club is something that, it's closed and it's not open to anybody except very secret special invitations that happen uh, by secret ballot that nobody knows about. Is that correct? <laughs> That's exactly correct. Yes. In, no, in that addition, is not correct, to, folks. <laughs> in addition to that, um, we we invite everyone. In fact, we meet on a monthly basis. We've been meeting now at St. Pius with Father, um, uh, well, fa Father uh, Cal Christensen is our chaplain, but he's studying in Boston, actually, Boston College or Boston University for a year. And we have Father Roberto Salivar from the Missionaries of the Holy Spirit is our pastor now at uh, at St. Pius. We have a monthly meeting and we invite all the parishioners. In fact, I print up cards and, and tickets and I give, give them to everyone in the parish. Here's a ticket. Come. We have mass and then we have a meeting, we have a meal, and you usually have an inspirational uh, speaker. And uh, it's always open to everyone. Mass, of course, is open to everyone. And we invite people. I invite lots of people all the time. And uh, they say, you know, daily mass people, they're, the, they're a good target because they, um, they're, they're already as an integral part of the church. And then people that have children, as you said, that are discerning or maybe in high school, going to a Catholic high school, and they want to support vocations. We love to have those people as well. Amen. That's beautiful, Andy. And folks, you do know I was joking, right? The Sarah Club is definitely open to anybody who <laughs> wants to join there. They do have a website, which is Seattle Sarah number one dot org seattle sarah s-e-r-r-a the number one dot org and that's for the seattle sarah club you can also google sarah club and you'll get to the national website where you can seek out the local groups that are fitting for you uh, but Correct. it's uh it's one of those things where if you have a sense of uh already praying for vocations praying for your seminarians. You feel a desire and a prompting to pray for your priests and bishops. And you, you sense the, the gift that the priesthood is in our time and in our place. You want to see men hearing a call and responding to the priesthood and not feeling held back by whether it's the things of this world or whether it's by other burdens that will hold them back. You know, Andy, in the course of the years of work that I've done, I've met up um, with one or two different groups that were started and their entire mission was to pay off the debts uh, 
that were holding back men from entering religious life or entering the seminary. Um, a lot of young men enter college life. They end up picking up a lot of um, college loans and then they graduate and they start working, but then they feel a call to the priesthood. And they're like, I would love to say yes to that call, but I'm carrying 40, 50, $60,000 in debt. And there's no way I can make those payments and pursue the call to the priesthood. Yes. And so uh, these particular nonprofit organizations were dedicated to basically saying, we will walk with you as you are walking towards the priesthood by taking away that obstacle. And so you see there, I know that there are people out there who have a passion to help walk with um, young men on the path to the priesthood to help them find a way to enter uh, to enter the priesthood, the seminary, or to enter the religious life in a way that they wouldn't be held back. Yes, Tom, I would just add that Sarah International does actually have an arm called the Sarah Foundation. And that is a place where you can make a donation. Uh, they accept gifts and they do exactly that. They help not only seminarians, but they are an outreach to different groups and organizations that are working for vocations. So Sarah International Foundation is um, a very active uh, group of dedicated people that will help anyone with a vocation um, call, or perhaps, I don't know if they specifically um, will, will pay college funds or something like that, but they are definitely available to help uh, vocation activity groups. That's so beautiful, Andy. I love that. That's Andy Tassani again. He is uh, the district coordinator for the Cascade Sarah Club and one of many Sarah Clubs that are happening in the Northwest. And talking with me today during vo uh, National Vocations Awareness Week. Andy, one of the things that uh, my family started to do recently, this was uh, due to Carrie's inspiration, um, was on Sunday nights, we go to the local seminary to join them in sung vespers, an hour of adoration, and then sung night prayer, or uh, they, uh, they don't necessarily sing the all of night prayer, but Compline. And it is, it's, it's like mutually edifying. Because when we go as a family and show up and pray, it's edifying. It, it really lifts us up to see young men who are fervent and devout and have made the decision to step forward in pursuing a vocation to the priesthood. At the same time, I know that they are like uh, appreciative and they enjoy seeing fa a family like ours show up to pray with them. So they don't feel so cut off or alone. They don't feel so isolated um, as they walk their journey towards the priesthood. I, I spent five years in the seminary. I was never ordained. But to have that sense of concrete connection to the local community, it's such a blessing. So I just, I just share that out loud. I know that um, Seattle doesn't have a local seminary, but if folks are listening in the Spokane area, I do encourage you, come on out. I did ask, I actually asked Father Ratuiste um, and Father Barnett. Father Barnett's the uh, the head of uh, Bishop White Seminary. Uh, I asked, hey, would it be okay if we invited other families to come and pray with you? Because it's mutually encouraging and mutually edifying. And, and they were very positive saying, yes, please go right ahead. So I would love to fill that chapel with supportive families who are saying, we're praying, we're literally praying with you, as well as praying for you, and in, in a way that will also build up their faith. So, and that was Father Ratuiste, who has a connection to the Sarah Club uh, in, in the state of Washington. Yes, well, he is the vocations director, I believe, in um, 
in, in Spokane. And of course, his father, uh, Maury Retusi, who's a beautiful, beautiful person, is our regional director. And um, so they're a beautiful family. And it just reinforces exactly what you were talking about, about the family and how the family is so instrumental um, in promoting vocations. And I want to say this also, Tom, because I've known you for a long time. And I so appreciate for many, many years listening to you on Sacred Heart Radio when your kids were real small and just trying to get them together for a meal or and especially I remember listening on Fridays when Carrie would be on and she'd be so joyful and laughing at some of some of the things that you guys were talking uh, about or, or kind of dealing with and so it's really been kind of um, inspirational I would say that you've done it you know I appreciate people that have stick with the stuff that they do it over the years and that really speaks to their commitment. And so I thank you for some of the trails that you have blazed and that we've been able to follow. And he is so kind. You're, you're really, it's a very kind thing to say. It's it's funny because uh, when Kerry and I, I mean, we've been doing this now almost 20 years, if you can believe it. Next year is going to be 20 years on Sacred Heart Radio. And it it is, it's kind of a journey through, well, a third of my life is, has been sort of walked out live <laughs> on Sacred Art Radio. And I got to tell you, I used to give great talks on how to raise teenagers before I had any. <laughs> so now that I have five, yeah, uh, it's a pretty humbling thing. I, I'm looking, I'm still looking for the handbook. It's never been written. Maybe I'll write it one day. Uh, but I, because it, it it is such a journey and it's it's a very interesting thing, Andy. Because I was just I was just reflecting on this today, literally in my prayer, that some of the very crosses and most difficult trials that God has put in our path, or that we have stepped into, have been the sources of the greatest blessings. Sure. And it's it's nothing like I would. I, why would I want to choose? a cross or a trial or a difficulty, not a very natural thing to do. But somehow God is able to redeem even that which touches our lives as an evil, touches our lives as a brokenness, as, as a woundedness connected to sin. The Lord is bigger and he redeems. And I think I just think that that's such an important message for families as well. Because we're having a, I think, a joyful conversation and a enthusiastic conversation about vocations. But I bet there are a lot of grandparents and parents listening right now. And they're saying to themselves, I wish my 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 son, my daughter would just go to church. I, I wish my son, my daughter would just come back to the faith vocation. I'm just trying to scrape through today. And so I want to make sure that as you're hearing Andy Tassani and I talk about Vocations Awareness Week, that you are living your vocation. My brothers and sisters who are grandparents and parents, you're living your vocation even when the Lord brings you in that vocation close to his cross, close to the path of his passion. Because remember now, it's through the path of the passion that you go not just to death, but through death to life to resurrected life. And no matter the cross, no matter the trial, no matter the difficulty, the Lord is bigger. He is a redeemer and his mercy can restore no matter the challenge you're facing. So even if you're feeling a little bit discouraged, maybe as you hear this conversation, please know that the Lord is a God of victory. He brings victory out of defeat. And so my encouragement to you is pray that the Lord would grace you to fulfill your vocation well, even when you're in a dark trial, trusting that the Lord in his redemptive power will recover and advance vocations, even in your family, beyond what you would ever expect or imagine, because he's that big and he's that good and he's that merciful. So I, I don't know, Andy, I just felt like, that was a, an important point to bring up today as we're as we're talking about a beautiful thing, National Vocations Awareness Week and the work of the Sarah Club, that no matter your situation and listening to this, the Lord's not done with us. He still walks with us 
as we attempt to follow him. So Andy, do you have any final uh, words or, or closing thoughts for us today as we're, as we're talking? Well, sure. Um, and, and that would be really kind of echoing what you've talked about. I always feel like the, the best place, the safest place, the place where we should feel the most comfortable is when we go to church and when we're in the presence of the Lord. And sometimes explaining that to people or encouraging people to take that step to come to the church, or maybe they've been away for a while, they feel it's so difficult. They feel so of, away from God. And, uh, it, and and sometimes I just tell them, you know, you don't have to really do anything. Just go and just sit there. And just sometimes you get that pearl, you get that word that comes down to you without, without you even seeking it. It just finds you. And so I encourage people to bring their families to church, whether they want to go, they don't want to go. It doesn't have to be a forced action, but just bring them. And then maybe you go for ice cream later or something, but just sit in the presence of the Lord. And I believe that over time, God can take your heart and can mold it and shape it into exactly what he wants. And I would pray that people would really have an encounter with Christ and that will change your life and the lives of those around you. Amen. That's really beautiful. I love that. That's a great word, and that's a great word for us to, to end with today. Again, that's Andy Tassani joining me today. He is from the Sarah Club. And uh, Andy, I, I have to say, just to say it out loud on the radio, uh, as much as I enjoy you, I enjoyed your wife so much <laughs> during know. the uh, Mastery of the Catechism classes. What, uh, not just, I, I don't want to call her a sweetheart. I want to call her a brilliant, thoughtful, articulate woman of God. She would have amazing, thoughtful responses. And I got to tell you, she's one of the reasons why I enjoyed so much teaching Mastery of the Catechism, where people like uh, your your sweet wife, Roberta, who uh, has been just for, well, for two decades, just a real wonderful supporter uh, of me and, uh, and the work that I've done in ministry in the area along with you. So, as much as I'm enjoying talking to you, Andy, I got to tell you, I've got a very warm place in my heart for your wife, Roberta. You've been very, very blessed uh, with to have her as a wife. Yes, I thank you very much. And she feels exactly the same way. She went through your class. She worked at the Chancery for about eight years, worked at Holy Rosary for about five years, just recently retired and now uh, takes care of grandchildren, as you said, and uh, life goes on. But we've been uh, blessed by you and by the church as well. And we appreciate all that you do and all that you've done. Thank you. Uh, that's again, that's Andy Tassani joining me today on Sunday representing the Sarah Club in this National Vocation Awareness Week. Again, I encourage you to go to the USCCB's website, usccb.org. That's the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, and they have an entire page dedicated to National Vocation Awareness Week. Andy, thank you so much for taking time with me today on Sound Insight. Thank you. It's been a blessing. <laughs>